What's up, guys? You are now listening to Devo with Uncle Theo. Today, we're at day nine. We're going to look at Genesis 25, 26, and 27. Genesis 25, Abraham dies. The father of faith, we've been developing this guy. He's proved himself faithful. He passed the final test in Genesis 22. His reign comes to an end, and we get a summation of his family, his life, and look at verse five, it says, now Abraham gave all that he had to Isaac. That's the seed going through Isaac. And look down at the end of verse 10. There, Abraham was buried with his wife, Sarah. And so that's faith there. He wants to be buried in the land. He sticks close to the Abrahamic covenant, a land, a seed, and a blessing. And then we hear something about Ishmael. Look at the end of verse 18. He settled in defiance, which is opposition, bro, to all his relatives. And you mentioned this before. Isn't that still going on to this day? No, absolutely. Right here in scripture, we get it. He is in defiance and opposition to all his relatives. And we see this enmity, even with the lineage of Ishmael and Abraham existing to this day. And we close out chapter 25 with, let's look at verse 21. The son, Isaac, gets a seed test. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was barren. Bro, you starting to see a pattern here? Absolutely. God builds theology. And this is what I'm talking about with biblical theology. We, we saw a theology of prayer being developed. We saw a theology of the Trinity being developed. You remember in Genesis 19? Yahweh on earth with Yahweh in heaven. You see the Trinity being developed there? Where's the Holy Spirit? We don't know. We don't know it's three, but we know it's, at least it's two now, right? Absolutely. So that's developing. That's development. And here we keep seeing barren wounds. Don't overlook that. That's theology. I'm going to tell you what kind of theology that is. God says, look at the womb. Focus on the womb. Anytime I give you a barren womb in redemptive history, in scripture, I'm going to do something special through that womb. What did he do? He did something special through Abraham. The father of faith, the nation of Israel is birthed through a barren womb. Now we have a barren womb here. We're going to get a barren womb with Samson. We're going to get a barren womb with Hannah, which is Samuel. We're going to get a barren womb over and over again. God is saying, look at the womb. I'm going to do something with it. In fact, I'm going to one up all of those in the New Testament with a virgin birth. See that? Man, God is good. And we got to look at this theology because it grows our faith if we focus on it. But let's look at this bare womb. It says in verse 22, but the children struggled together within her. And she said, if it is so, why then am I this way? So she went to inquire of the Lord and the Lord said, to her, two nations are in your womb and two people will be separated from your body. And one people shall be stronger than the other. The older will serve the younger. We get a prophecy. God tells them how this is going to go, but we're about to get some problems. We're about to get problems and we're about to see them very soon. First in 25, it says that Esau is hairy, like a hairy garment. So they named him Esau. And afterwards, this is 26, his brother came forth with his hand holding on to Esau's heel. 
So his name was called Jacob. You know what Jacob means? That word means schemer. It means one who struggles, trickery. That's his name. And so by virtue, he already comes out grabbing the heel of his brother. So he's a wrestler. He's a schemer. He's a struggler. He fits the bill of his name. And we're about to see that as this story unfolds. But God has bigger plans for Jacob. Just like he developed Abraham, just like he has to develop Isaac, he's going to have to develop Jacob. And we're going to see it very clearly with Jacob. It's so beautiful. It'll rock your world and it'll increase your faith. So let's get to the text. So 27, when the boys grew up, Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the field. But Jacob was a peaceful man living in tents. Oh boy, we got a problem. Jacob is domesticated. He's a house guy. And so this isn't the guy you take hunting with you. So quite naturally, he's not my firstborn. He's not out in the fields with me. So what do you think Isaac is going to do? He, who is he going to love more? You don't even have to answer me. Just read the next verse, bro. <laughs> now, Isaac loved Esau because he had a taste for game. But Rebecca loved Jacob. We're about to see some idolatry. Because what did God say in the prophecy? Who would serve who? The older will serve the younger. That's it, bro. But it says, now Isaac loved Esau. So verse 29, when Jacob had cooked stew, Esau came in from the field and he was famished. And Esau said to Jacob, please let me have a swallow of that red stuff there, for I am famished. Therefore, his name was called Edom. So the Edomites come from Esau. Hmm. But Jacob said, first, sell me your birthright. And so here we go. Jacob's a what? Schemer. He a schemer. So Jacob is about to scheme. <laughs> He's about, oh, you're hungry, huh? Let me get your birthright up off you. I got to have that if you want a bowl of soup. Need you to give me all your inheritance to feed your family self. And that's what he does. And Esau said, behold, I'm about to die. What use of me is my birthright to me? And this is not just inheritance. This is rights to the covenant. And so Jacob is scheming for it. But God had already prophesied that he was going to get it. And I think that's practical application for us here. A lot of times... God is already working something in our life that he's prophesied. If we'll just be patient and wait on the Lord, but we don't do that because of one big word, timing. We want it on our time, not his. That microwave so, faith. Microwave faith. I like that, bro. Put that down and let's keep that thing going. We got more terms today. We got Instapot faith. <laughs> These women got all kinds of gadgets to cook stuff fast with now. And so... That's what he wanted. So he sells his birthright and look at, and then we walk on into verse 26 and you're going to see something interesting. There's another what in the land, another famine in the land. The previous famine that had occurred in the days of Abraham, but something different happens here. Isaac doesn't dip. He doesn't leave. He stays. And it says, the Lord said to him in verse two, the Lord appeared to him and said, do not go down to Egypt. Don't do what Abraham did. Stay in the land of which I shall tell you, sojourn in this land 
and I will be with you and bless you and to your descendant. What's that word? Remember, it's a synonym for seed. I will give you all these lands. There's land. And I will establish the oath which I swore to your father, Abraham. I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven. And I will give your descendants all these lands. And by your descendants, all of the nations of the earth shall be blessing. LSB, land, seed, blessing. There's a translation that a lot of my professors worked on called the LSB, Legacy Standard Bible. So use that as a new money. LSB, land, seed, blessing. And what is being reiterated? The Abrahamic covenant goes to Isaac. It's being reiterated to Isaac. So it's going to continue through Isaac, even to the point that, look at verse six. So Isaac lived. When the man of the place asked about his wife, he said, she is my sister, for I was afraid to say my wife. And so what do we have? Another attack on the seed. It doesn't, you cannot tell me I'm making this up. Over and over, somebody is trying to get to that seed and corrupt it. Like you said before. Talk to me, Dustin. Man, you figured that, that he would have learned from his grandfather, Abraham, huh? You do. <laughs> but... It just, it's hard when you get put in a pressure-filled situation to obey God. No, no matter how many times you hear it, no matter how many exams you take on paper, when you get in the field, it's a whole nother ball game. They have a saying that says that it's easier to tell a lie than the truth. That's true. And that's, I don't know why that pressure is on the truth so hard. We do, but we can see it here clearly. So in verse 11, it says, so Abimelech, charged all the people saying, he who touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. Strong language when the seed is in jeopardy. I want you to catch this, verse 12. Now Isaac sowed in the land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. He's a blessed man. And the Lord blessed him. And the man became rich and continued to grow richer until he became very wealthy. What did I say in verse one? This is in the midst of what? A famine, bro. This man is blessed. And see, this is what Abraham should have did. He didn't have to go to Egypt. God would have did the very same thing for him in a famine. This is why you trust God. And look at what happened in verse 14. It says, for he had possessions of flocks and herds and a great house so that the Philistines envied him. And verse 16, and Abimelech said to Isaac, go away from us, for you are too powerful for us. And Isaac departed from there. This man is blessed. Mm -hmm. And you just see it over and over. Even nations are starting to see this. And we have to pick this up. I'm going to bring this up a little later in verse 28. But he's starting to make an international impact. And that's always the goal of God, because he wants his glory to fill the earth. He just wanted to start with that people group of reverse Babel. You won't make your name great. I'll make Abraham's name great. I'll make my name great through Abraham. And through him will come the seed. And through him, the blessing will come and my glory will fill the earth. And we see, how do you do that? You can't just keep it within Israel. Israel has to be what? The a witnessing nation. Amen. To get it to the world. That's always been the plan. And we see here, the water rights come back up in verse 18. Then Isaac dug again the wells which had been dug in the days of his father Abraham. And there's a core here over the wells. What 
he does is he moves away from there and he just digs another well for he did not want to core over it and he named it Rehoboth. For he said, at last the Lord has made room for us and we will be fruitful in the land. And so they went up there to Beersheba and look at this in verse 28. He's talking to Abimelech and they said, we see plainly that the Lord, what does it say? Has been with you. So we said, let there now be an oath between us. Bro, even his son now, Isaac is becoming a king. Kings are coming to him like an inferior to a superior, wanting to make oaths with him. This is international impact. They're starting to impact the world now. You saw the Philistines envied them. This is, is we're getting into politics now. Abimelech wants to make a covenant. His name is becoming great. The seed is passed to Isaac, and we got to see who is going to go to next. And you know who we'll put our money on. God said the older shall do what? Serve the younger. That's it, bro. And it says in verse 34, when Esau was 40 years old, he married Judith, the daughter of Beri, the Hittite. So we got a problem. Look at verse 35. And they brought grief to Isaac and Rebekah. Why? Mary outside of the seed. Mm. This is exactly the opposite of what Abraham told his servant to do. Do not marry a Canaanite. And the same for the Hittites. And so now we know automatically Esau is disqualified. So mm-hmm. Jacob never had the scheme. He's already disqualified. Let's get Jacob qualified. Let's go to chapter 27. Now it came about when Isaac was old and his eyes were too dim to see that he called his older son Esau and said to him, my son. And he said to him, here I am. Isaac said, behold now. I am old and do not know the day of my death. Now then, please take your gear, your quiver, and your bow and go out to the field and hunt game for me and prepare a savory dish for me, such as I love, and bring it to me that I may eat so that my soul may bless you before I die. Mm. What is this, bro? This is idolatry. He heard the prophecy. He knows that the older serve the younger. Who is he trying to bless? Esau. He's trying to bless Esau. You cannot do this. You got to obey God. It never works out in your favor. But who's listening? Rebecca. Next verse. Rebecca's listening while Isaac spoke to his son Esau. So when Esau went to the field to hunt for game to bring home, Rebecca said to her son Jacob, Behold, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau, saying, Bring me a savory dish that I may prepare and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Now, therefore, my son, listen to me. I command you, go now to the flock and bring me two choice young goats from there that I may prepare them a savory dish for your father, such as he loves. So remember, Rebecca from the camels, what was she doing? (laughs) She's fast, a track star. She's a runner. We know she's a runner. Same Rebecca here. She hears the word, and what does she do? She jumps out in front of Esau. Jacob, here's the game plan. Look, listen to me. This is how we're going to do it. Now, what is the problem there? Listen to who? Listen to me. Mm. They should have listened to God, and God would have blessed this. Now, this is a mess that God will have to 
still accomplish his purposes three. So Jacob starts to doubt the plan. He says, perhaps my father will feel me. Then I will be as a deceiver in his sight. And I will bring upon myself a curse and not a blessing. So he's coming up when you're scheming. You got to come up with all your contingency plans. All right, if we do this, if we go out the back door, what if somebody's there? What do you know what I mean? He <laughs> see, and that's what he's doing. And look at what the mother says. Your curse be on me, son. She takes the burden off of him. Don't worry about it. If this fails, I'll take the curse. Oh, man. Okay. <laughs> I don't have any consequences. All right, let's go forward. Obey my voice. You hear that? That's Yahweh language. And so he went forth and did it. And she put the skins of a young goat on his hands and on the smooth parts of his neck. She also gave the savory food and the bread which she had made to her son. Then he came to his father and said, my father. And he said, here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. Schemer. And so what could have happened here? He hears his son's voice. So he knows the difference in, in his son's voice. God could have immediately exposed this plan here, but God doesn't expose him. He allows it to go through. And let me ask you right now, why do you think God doesn't expose him right here? Part of it's probably because he was supposed to get the blessing anyway. God already prophesied this beforehand. Exactly. It was going to him anyway. He didn't have to do any of this scheming. He says, I'm Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Get up, please. Sit and eat my game that you may bless me. Isaac said to his son, how is it that you have it so quickly, my son? And he said, because the Lord, your God, has caused it to happen to me. You hear that? What is he doing, bro? Bro, he's provoking the name of God in his scheme. And God is allowing him to use him in this way. And he's using all of this puffy language to get through this trickery. And it, it works. So this plan could have been aborted easily because he said, please come close that I may feel you, whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob came close to Isaac, his father, and he felt him and said, the voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him and he gives him a blessing. And this is the blessing. He says, let's catch verse 29. My people serve you, the nation, see, bow down to you. Be master of your brothers and may your mother's son bow down to you. Curse be those who curse you and blessed be those who bless you. A blessing. And so the blessing is stolen. Jacob steals the birthright and the blessing from Esau. Esau comes back. He comes back from his hunting and he says, then he also made savory food and brought it to his father and said to his father, let my father arise and eat his son's game that you may bless me. And Isaac, his father said to him, who are you? He said, I'm your son, your firstborn Esau. Then Isaac trembled violently. Why is he trembling, bro? He knew what time it was. He knew what time it was. This is what happened when idolatry is being crushed. He knew it was game over. He knew what happened. Who was he that then hunted game and brought it to me so that I ate all of it before you came and blessed him? Yes, and he shall be blessed. 
You can't reverse this. He gets it. And this is where it talks about this later. Esau's repentance is a worldly repentance. This is where you distinguish biblical repentance from worldly repentance. And we see it in Esau. When Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, bless me, even me also, oh, my father. And he said, your brother came deceitfully and he has taken away your blessing. Then he said, is he not rightly named Jacob? Schemer, is he not rightly named wrestler? One who strives against God, for he has supplanted me these two times. And our, our chapter ends where we have some tension. And so Esau bore a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And then he says this, I will kill my brother Jacob. So Jacob has to get out of Dodge, bro. And Rebecca helps him look at the text. When Esau reported that to Jacob, she said, behold, your brother Esau is consoling himself concerning you by planning to kill you. Now go obey my voice. Go arise and flee to Haran to my brother Laban. Stay with him a few days until your brother Fury subsides. So this is where she's from. Tells him to go back there and allow his anger to come down, to dwindle for a while. And we actually see this later in Numbers. This is what refuge cities are for. If there's a murder that takes place, you send the person away until everything cools off and people's temperaments cool off, and then he can come back. So you see a little small phase of this right here. And this is how our chapter ends. So who's the hero of this story? We'll end there. God is, bro. Amen. God's the hero of this story. I'll tell you why. Because in this story, everybody is sinning. Isaac, idolatry. He didn't listen to the promise. He trusted and loved Esau instead of Jacob. Esau sold his birthright. Jacob, trickery, scheming. Rebecca, scheming, playing Yahweh in the story. Everybody's sinning, but God is still on the throne. God is the hero of this story. Amen. Any application before we close it out? Knowing that Jacob's scheme, he's a schemer. I like how my professor once said, Jacob schemes, but God redeems. Amen. And that's the type of God that we have. Bring us home, Dustin. Yeah, I was just thinking about how God's plan was going to come about no matter what. Jacob, his mother knew, Rebecca knew, and she was a part of the scheme, even though she had heard from God and knew it was going to happen. She was showing a lack of faith, right? And so we're going to see in the next few chapters next week how many times Jacob gets dumped on his head, the things he has to go through that he probably wouldn't have had to go through if he would have been, if he would have had faith in the beginning with God. God would have brought it about, not in the same amount of time as Jacob would have liked, but it would have been about. And he wouldn't have had to bump his head so many times. That's so good. How, how many lessons did you just give us there? When man schemes, God redeems. Fellow friends, let's stop scheming and let's let God redeem because God's going to accomplish his plan, but it's going to be on his timing. And that's the part we don't like. Yeah. We'll catch you next time on day 10. Hey, Y'all take care. Peace. I'm never